was the most dangerous Hells Angel of all time? Well, it might surprise you that he was actually not American. That's right. He was Canadian. His name was Yves Apache Trudeau, born 1946 in Quebec, Canada. Grew up in a very strict household, a father that would discipline him regularly if he stepped out of line. By the time the 1960s came around, the Liberal Party basically had been voted into Quebec, Canada, and things had started to change. The 1960s brought in rock and roll and women and drugs and a more of a free lifestyle. And with that came biker clubs. And one of the biker clubs was called the Popeye MC, which Trudeau was part of. He joined the MC when he was 22 years old. Popeye MC had a reputation of being a vicious, violent motorcycle club. They participated in things like prostitution, extortion, drug dealing, racketeering, assault, so on and so forth. But one thing about Trudeau was when he was a teenager, he actually had a job in a business called the Canadian Industries Limited, or better known as CIL, which actually produced explosives. And he became really, really good with using explosives. And this was a talent that he will use later on in life. During the late 60s and early 1970s, there was another motorcycle club called the Devil's Disciples, and they were just as bad as the Popeye MC. As a matter of fact, they actually joined forces with uh, another MC club called the Satan's Choice. And there was a war between 1968 and 1970 between Popeye MC and the Devil's Disciples. It was basically over drugs, who was going to control the drugs in Quebec, Canada. That's really basically what had happened. In 1975, though, the Devil's Disciples actually joined forces with the Outlaw Motorcycle Club, which was the second largest outlaw motorcycle club in the United States. And they made a business arrangement where the Devil's Disciples were able to produce PCP and meth in Canada. And then via the Outlaws, were able to distribute it throughout the Midwest of the United States. But the Popeye MC, they wanted a piece of their pie, too. They went through this bloody war, and 15 Devil's Disciples were killed during this war. It was so bad that this chapter was actually disbanded. And then the other four chapters were just patched over as outlaws. And then in 1977, the Popeye MC patched over to the Hells Angels. Oh, no. So in 1978 to 1984, there was another biker war, but this time it was between the Hells Angels chapter and and the Outlaws chapters in Quebec, Canada. So, of course, Trudeau was their main hitman, and he did not disappoint. He basically put his skills to the test during this war. In 1978 to 1984, plenty of bloodshed and people died. I'm actually going to read off how many people he killed and how he killed them, and I'm not going to be able to committed to memory. So I'm going to have to read it off a little bit. I might stop and give you more information on the story, but there's so many people that I can't commit it to memory. Okay. So how the war started was there was always conflict and it was always over drugs and so on and so forth. But apparently in 1978, there were two outlaw members that were drinking at a bar that was supposedly a hell's angels hangout. I don't know why you would do that, but they decided to do that, right? I guess just to flex on them or something like that. So people in the bar, the Hells Angels in the bar, basically beat the hell out of them and threw them out of the bar. But apparently that wasn't good enough for Trudeau. Trudeau pulled up in his car and shot both of them dead. 
Yeah, I would at that point, I would think, okay, uh there had to be some kind of talking to Chu Trudeau from the higher ups of the Hells Angels. It's like you don't have to kill everybody, right? Like a beating is fine, but he was just a ruthless killer. Anyway, so this sparked a huge war between the outlaws and Hells Angels in Canada, right? So in 1978, Trudeau killed the Montreal outlaw chapter president, and he basically bombed his car. And as we go on, you'll see he like he loves explosives. He bombs cars, apartments, motorcycles, all kinds of different things. Then he also killed a, another outlaw and his girlfriend. Yeah, he didn't spare women either. If you were with your girlfriend, she was going to die too. Trudeau killed another outlaw leader named Brian Powers. He went to his house, knocked on his door, and shot him in his head nine times. This is what I mean by... I don't think he was a just a contract killer. I think he was a sociopath. Because after like two shots in the head, you pretty much know he's dead. Why do you have to shoot him nine times? That This means he he loved killing. This means this man had no soul, right? He just wanted to see his brains and face in pieces. That's the only thing I could think of, right? Usually it's two shots and you're out. Or a shot in the back of the head and you're out. You, you, know, you don't want to hang out too often, right? Anyway. So then Trudeau had a contract to kill a another leader of the outlaw motorcycle club. And he goes up to the spot where he's supposed to be. He sees this guy. He goes up to him and he asks him in French if he is this. I don't remember the guy's name. If he was this particular guy, the guy doesn't answer. So the guy doesn't answer. Trudeau shoots him in the head. Anyway, the next day they see on the news that he, this was not the person he was supposed to kill. This was an innocent per- person. He just looked like him. And the reason why he didn't answer him is because he didn't speak French. The story goes that Trudeau thought this was the funniest thing in the world, and he was hysterical laughing, but he was not paid for from the Hells Angels to do this contract hit. And he was very upset over that. And his argument to them was, hey, look, the guy looked just like him. And anybody that looks like him should die anyway. That was his argument over why you should pay me. I mean, this man was just a, she's just a psycho. Then there was an outlaw informant. Trudeau blew up his car. Then there was another MC club called the Huns. And they patched over to the outlaws. And Trudeau killed the president of the Huns MC. Then Trudeau actually and two other Hells Angels planted a bomb of obviously explosives on the another member of the Outlaws motorcycle and killed him. In 1979, this took a little bit of a turning point because in 1979, what basically had happened was Trudeau branched off and started his own faction of the Hells Angels, another chapter. It was called the Lavelle chapter. I don't know if it's him specifically, but he went and he went into this Lavelle chapter. And the majority of these guys were from his old motorcycle club, the Popeyes, right? Apparently, they were living it up. This was like the 1980s at this point, and it was a lot of partying, cocaine. There was disrespectful behavior. They weren't really abiding by the Hells Angels rules, uh, fighting, killing, um, stealing, all, uh, you know, just not staying out of the limelight, put it that way. So then there was a former Hells Angel 
who was suspected of informant. And Trudeau got the contract to, to go kill him. And he went to his mother's home and his mom would not give him up. So Trudeau decided to beat his mother to death. And then when he found this guy, he killed him and his girlfriend. In 1984, when the war was over between the Hells Angels and the Outlaws, there were actually 30 deaths between the two clubs. 23 Outlaws were killed during 1978-1984, and Trudeau was responsible for 18 of those killings. By the 1980s, Trudeau's reputation of being a killer and a contract killer spread throughout Canada. And he started taking contracts from others besides the Hells Angels. He took contracts from the Irish Mafia, which was referred to as the West End Gang. He also took contracts from the Italian Mafia, the Rizzuto crime family. During this time, this actually led to one of the most famous murders in Quebec's history. The West End Gang's leader was named Frank Ryan, and he had a dispute with other local drug dealers over drugs and money and so on and so forth, and he was he was murdered. The new West End Gang leader, by the name of Alan Ross, sought out Trudeau to seek revenge. Trudeau found out where their apartment was, where they would meet up to do business dealings and so on and so forth and blah, blah, blah. So he came up with this amazing idea that he is going to take a brand new television and put explosives within the television. And he was going to have a friend deliver it to the apartment. His friend delivers it to the apartment. When his friend finally leaves the building, Trudeau actually has a detonator or remote control and detonates the bomb that was planted in the TV, killing all four people that were responsible for Frank Ryan's death and injuring eight other people and blowing a hole through the apartment building so much so that you actually could see in. And there's actually a famous picture of the detectives looking and you, you can see the picture from the hole in the wall that he actually blew up. It's, it was, it's, it's just amazing. I think it was a bit overkill, if you will, but this is what he was famous for. All right. So now the Lavelle chapter of the Hells Angels is really acting out. They're not abiding by the Hells Angels rules. They're doing more drugs than they're supposed to be selling. When they do a drug deal, they're not um, giving their fair share to the other chapter of the Hells Angels. They're skimming off the top. They're bringing a lot of heat around the Hells Angels. And finally, the head of the Montreal chapter decides it's time for them to go. And this led to the Lennoxville Massacre, which was a very, very famous killing in Quebec, Canada. They establish a meeting. And the head of the uh, Hells Angels and some of his boys from Montreal meet up with the Lavelle chapter. And there are five guys at this meeting from the Lavelle chapter, and they are massacred. They're killed. Trudeau was supposed to be at this meeting. Trudeau was in a detox center at the time trying to uh, kick his drug habit. Now, some people say that he knew this was coming and he just checked into the detox center just to avoid being murdered. Well, other people say it's a coincidence. But after he got out of the detox center, he was contacted by the Montreal chapter of the Hells Angels. And they told him, you know, we're going to let you live, but you cannot be a Hells Angel anymore. You have to take off all your, remove your Hells Angels tattoos. And you 
cannot wear your cuts anymore or your colors. Basically, what that is is when you see bikers with a vest and on the back, there's the Hells Angels logo. They call that cuts or their colors or whatnot. He has to give that up. And he also has to carry out three other hits for the Hells Angels. So he doesn't have any money, many options, so he agrees. He agrees to it, and he tries to carry it out, and he only gets to one. He only gets to one victim. The other two he was not able to get to. So during this time, you know, he has made a lot of enemies, and now he had a $50,000 bounty on his head, and he gets picked up from a gun charge. And he really doesn't have much of a choice, and he decides that he's going to turn state's evidence. Now, I know they do things differently in Canada, but when I give you the information about how they, the deal that he got, it just seems strange. I know we're, we're American or I'm American, and it just seems a little bit odd. So he actually pleads guilty to 43 murders, 29 by firearm, 10 by bombing, three by beatings, and one by strangulation. This was 1985. So he actually gets life with the eligibility of parole within seven years. He also gets $40,000 over two years, and he also gets $35 a week for cigarettes while he's in prison. He gets released in seven years. He's paroled in seven years, and he's released, and he enters the Canadian version of the Witness Protection Program. So... He has a new identity, and his name is Dennis Cote. That is his new identity, and he actually has two legitimate jobs. He is an orderly, and he also drives a bus for the handicapped. He actually has a girlfriend during this time. Things seem to be going okay. But then in about 2000, he kicks up his cocaine habit again, and he is arrested for sexual assaulting a 13-year-old boy. He goes back to prison, and he actually dies in prison, well, they actually released him to a medical facility because he was diagnosed with bone marrow cancer. And he dies in 2008 in this medical facility from bone marrow cancer. Now, there are two things that that I have questions about this story. The first thing is, I understand he, seven years in prison for 43 murders. And he's paroled. And then, of course, he goes back to prison. I mean, what did you think was going to happen? This was not going to have a happy ending. He was, he, a person like this just has too much chaos in his life. His entire life is chaos. And it's not going to just change overnight. I mean, during that time period where he was driving a bus and um, he was an orderly, he was probably dying inside because this was not the lifestyle that he wants. Anyway, that's, that's the second thing. The first, the other thing which really, really baffles me is I don't understand why the outlaws, or the devil's disciples, why he wasn't public enemy number one to them. If he was the muscle, I mean, this guy was five foot six. He was 135 pounds. He wasn't a big man, but he was a ruthless killer. He was very good with explosives, and he was a heartless killer. So you would think that they would be, he would be their target, number one target, right? Like this, this movie, if you guys are old enough to remember, if you guys aren't young enough, I'll explain. It's a movie called The Godfall that came out in 1972. It's basically about the Italian mafia in the United States. And uh, they, they tried to kill Don Corleone. And the first person they go after, um, they don't kill Don Corleone. They actually try murdering him. He survives. But the first person after that, that the, the villain in the movie goes after is a name, a man by the Luca Brazzi. Luca Brazzi is Don Corleone's number one hitman, muscle killer, 
devoted to Don Corleone. They knew they were going to have a problem with him if they start this war. So they kill him first. They strangle him. It's a famous scene in a bar. Um, actually, I actually think they kill him before they take a shot at Don Corleone. Because I remember, and there's a scene where Don Corleone brings in Luca Brazzi and says, go to the Tatalias, tell them you're, you're not happy with us and you want to know what's in for it's them. And they knew it was a setup. So they bring him at the bar, they strangle him, they stab him in the hand with a knife, and they kill him right there. And they knew that they had to take this guy out. Otherwise, this guy was not going to be able to stop. And um, there's even a scene where one person from the Corleone family and another person from the Tatalia family and they're having a conversation. And he says, look, I'll try to make, I'll try to have this happen. I'll try to make peace, but you're not even going to, you're not going to be able to stop Luca Brasi. And the guy from the Tatalia family says, let me worry about him. Meanwhile, he knew he was already dead. So what I'm getting at is I don't understand why the outlaws, the devil's disciples, why this guy wasn't public enemy number one executed. I mean, if he was responsible for 23 if he was responsible for 18 out of 23 deaths of the outlaws, I mean, if you killed him, you win. Now, I don't know. I don't know biker life. I have no idea. I just know, you know, it would make sense to me, right? But uh, who knows actually what happened? This was a very long time ago. These are just my opinions from this story. This is a crazy, crazy, crazy lifestyle. And it looks like these guys were not as organized as organized crime, like the Italians or so on and so forth. They look like these guys look like they were really, really rough, wild, rowdy bunch of guys. So, you know, maybe they just didn't think like that. Or maybe it was just, you know, every man for himself. I don't know. But it's a, it, it is he was clearly a sociopath to kill 43 people, to laugh when you kill an innocent person, to beat somebody's mother to death, to shoot somebody nine times in the head. Because you just want to shoot him nine times in the head after he's dead, tells me that you are just you're basically a sociopath. And I don't think he spent enough time in jail. I know he died of of cancer, but to be released after seven years, I don't know. He did testify to uh, I think forty murders uh, and fifteen attempted murders. That was his, that's, that's the information that he gave up. Anyway, I will definitely be back with another one of these. Cause this is really interesting because I don't do much biker life. I do mostly, uh, you know, mafia organized crime, but since I actually interviewed guys like, uh, Mooch, who was an outlaw and I interviewed guys like, uh, James Machikari, who was a 1% biker and, uh, Danny Delo, who was a 1% biker. These videos do great. So I'm coming to you with more content like this. So that's it. That's the story of Eves, the Apache, Trudeau. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share. Peace.